Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to the Root Womb Collective Podcast. My name is Haley. I am a holistic womb healer and women's mentor on a mission to guide women just like you back home to your body, womb, cycle, and the earth. In this space, we explore a variety of topics as it relates to womb health, cyclical living, womanhood, feminine embodiment, nourishment, and living our lives as radiant, purposeful women. I am honored that you are here. Thank you for elevating and amplifying the sacred feminine heartbeat. Now, let's get to the show. Today's solo episode of the podcast is going to be centered upon alcohol, womb health, and self-connection. I am really excited to dive into this topic with you because this conversation has been really alive on my heart lately. I feel like I've been talking to a lot of my clients about this. I've been having a lot of internal dialogue with myself and conversations with friends about alcohol and My intention with today's solo episode is not to shame you, is not to make you feel any less than perfect, but to really offer maybe a reframe or a new perspective on alcohol. This isn't to say that alcohol is bad or that you don't need to be consuming it at all because I don't believe in black or white living. We are cyclical beings, which means that, you know, there's times of life where alcohol might be beneficial for us and then times where it may not be. But I really encourage you to come into this conversation just with curiosity and and openness, okay? I am cycle day 25 today and just feeling like I have fully entered my deep luteal phase and what I think is so interesting and this is just a personal observation is how my voice changes throughout the different seasons of my cycle and I can feel how my energy on the podcast even last week is so drastically different than it is today. Uh, Cycle day 25, I I kind of refer to as the deep luteal phase where we've really entered the depths of this season and the call to return to ourselves is really strong. And so I'm, I'm planning on recording this episode. I have a couple other things that I have to get to today and then to just create some space to drop in with my body and my womb and just tend to my needs. Um, Hopefully that's an invitation to do the same for yourself if you're finding yourself needing a little bit of extra space and time. So without further ado, I want to jump into the episode because I have a lot planned for you today. Uh, I'm going to just kind of start off with a little bit of personal storytelling, I guess you could say, around my own relationship with alcohol. And when this conversation really became alive and ignited within my own life. So 
about two years ago. Yeah, I think I think it was September of 2020, if I'm remembering correctly. I decided to do a month sober. And to give you just a little bit of context and kind of background, I don't want to go, this episode isn't about my relationship with alcohol. I just want to clarify that it's about alcohol as, as a whole and how it relates to your hormone health and your womb health and all the things. But I always think a little context supports. So anyways, uh, I definitely drank a good amount in college. I will admit that. And then coming out of college, it decreased significantly. Uh, But there was still probably maybe three or four years there where I was still drinking every week. I was still drinking a few times a week and the quantity significantly went down, but I would probably drink every weekend and I would definitely have a glass or two or three of wine during the week to kind of, uh, you know, chill out from work. This was before I had my own business. So uh, yeah, and and come 2020, that was kind of how my relationship with alcohol had been for, yeah, about four years. And so in September of 2020, I decided to do a month sober, as I had said. And this month was really illuminating for me in a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, because I really realized and became conscious of how often I would just reach for a drink out of maybe discomfort or boredom or even just a habit, you know, wine Wednesdays or it's Friday evening, like it's time to drink, right? And so it was through this month of consciously choosing to not consume alcohol that I began to see actually how prevalent alcohol was within my lifestyle. And I I encourage almost all of my clients to try 30 days sober, especially when we're working on transitioning off the pill and healing our hormones and preparing our body for conception and pregnancy, uh, just to see what we're really working with because alcohol can kind of be a mask and it can also exaggerate symptoms. Uh, And so anyways, I was really beginning to see, yeah, just actually how prevalent it was within my life, within my mind, within my choices. And I started to realize too that I was feeling a lot better by not consuming alcohol so consistently. And so in addition to really noticing my own internal shifts around not drinking, I also began to really awaken to alcohol's role within our culture and our society. And I feel like I don't even need to emphasize this that much because I think it's pretty obvious, Um, but we really have a collective alcohol problem, y'all, especially in the United States, at least. I can't speak for other countries that I maybe haven't been to or whatnot, but it's normal to drink every single weekend. It's normal to drink after work. It's normal to drink for any type of celebration, for birthdays, with coworkers, at sporting games, you know, at restaurants. It's pretty much socially acceptable to drink anywhere and everywhere. And alcohol has been really normalized within our culture. And so, yeah, throughout this time, I was just really realizing how frequently alcohol is a part of any sort of gathering or 
experience or celebration. And I was really realizing how much people were consuming, how much I was consuming, and also the people around me, my friends, my family, my partner, right? And so I feel like this was actually a really big, you know, in hindsight, a really big season of reflection for me. And pretty much since this time till now, so this has pretty much been a two-year period, my relationship with alcohol has drastically, drastically shifted. And I just want to clarify, I still absolutely enjoy the occasional drink. I still drink, you know, at certain celebrations or events, or, you know, if we're going out to dinner and there's a drink that like sounds fun to me, I am not anti-alcohol in any means. (laughs) I myself still enjoy alcohol. Um, my fiance owns a brewery, so, (laughs) you know, it's, it's around in our lives, but its role has shifted significantly. And so this conversation I feel like is important for a lot of different reasons. First from a health and hormone and a woman cycle based perspective, which we're going to be getting into here in just a second. But also from the lens of self-connection and being in tune with our bodies and our intuition and what it is that our soul and our body and our soma is really communicating with us, right? And so um, let's start off with a little bit more around the health of alcohol, the womb health perspective on alcohol. As many of you know, uh, you know, I support women with their womb health, with their cycle health, with their hormonal health. And as I've shared, this is a huge topic in my client conversations because when we're focused and our, our intention is on healing alcohol is kind of like throwing toxins into a fire that's still burning, right? It's like throwing fuel into a fire that you're trying to get out. So yeah, let's dive in to a little bit around the womb health and hormonal health that can be impacted by alcohol. And again, this is not to scare you. It's not to put you into a fear response or a fear state. Uh, Rather, it's here to help you understand what is happening in your body when you choose to drink alcohol and how you can begin to make informed choices based off of your health goals. Okay, so let's just start with some hormonal health basics here just so you can understand a little bit more context as to what we are going to dive into. So there is something within each one of our bodies called the HPTAGG axis, which stands for the hypothalamic, pituitary, thyroid, adrenal, gonadal, gut, Axis and gonadal is essentially our ovaries as women. And this axis is basically a cascade of endocrine pathways, endocrine referring to our hormonal pathways. This is the way in which all of our hormones communicate with one another. 
okay? And when we're speaking about hormonal health, what we are really speaking about is a symphony of this HPTAGG axis, okay? So when one of these things is off, when one of these endocrine glands is dysfunctioning for some reason, it can disrupt the entire axis. So to just kind of put that into a little bit of perspective, if there is a dysfunction within our hypothalamus or a pituitary gland, which is within our brain, that can disrupt the communication to our ovaries, causing us to not ovulate, right? Also, our thyroid health directly impacts our ovarian health and our menstrual health as well. So when there's dysfunctions within the thyroid, whether we're experiencing hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, that could impact our ovarian health and our ability to ovulate. And ovulation is the most important event within the entire menstrual cycle. I'm sure you've heard me share that, but just to reiterate again. Okay, so every single piece of this axis really works in harmony with one another. The last piece of that axis is the gut, right? And when we're speaking about the gut, we're also really speaking about the liver too. So hormonal health is so intertwined into your gut health and also your liver health. And we're going to dive deeper into why that is, okay? And so while the liver isn't technically a part of this axis, it's not an endocrine gland, it is an organ, it's still an essential part of hormonal health because its job is to detoxify and also remove any excessive hormones from your body. I just want to provide a little bit of that context here because we are going to be diving in to liver health and gut health here. And a lot of times people are like, hmm, how does the gut work with hormonal health? How does the gut impact hormonal health? What does the liver have to do with hormonal health? I just want to learn about hormonal health. Uh, And it's all intertwined. It's all interconnected. Every single part of our body is so interconnected to the next so we can't we can't isolate and pull out certain systems and just evaluate them on their own we need to really look at them in the context of our entire female body so i hope that provides just a little bit of context and i'm really trying here you guys to break everything down in a really digestible manner so that you can understand this. I, this is kind of a side tangent, but I think this is important. I think it's essential that we understand our bodies and how our bodies work. And a lot of times we've told ourselves or other people have told us that our bodies are too confusing or too complicated. And I don't buy into that. I think in order for us to make the right choices for our health and vitality, we must understand our bodies. And so my intention is to really make this as kind of basic as possible so that you can understand how alcohol is impacting your body. Okay, so moving on to how alcohol actually impacts your body, I'm going to be speaking about three different things here. So the first, I'm going to be speaking about how a root cause of hormonal imbalance is nutrient deficiency and and speaking about, you know, how alcohol impacts our our, uh, nutrient stores. 
The second thing I'm going to be speaking about is how alcohol increases estrogen in the body and how that impacts the liver. And then the third thing I'm going to be speaking about is how alcohol impacts your gut. And as you've now learned, the gut is really an integral piece of your hormone health. So let's start at number one around how a root cause of hormonal imbalance can be and with a lot of people is nutrient nutrient deficiency excuse me so i feel like this is pretty obvious but i just want to clarify this again or not again but just clarify this that alcohol is devoid meaning it doesn't have any protein or minerals or vitamins there is not really any nutritional value inside of alcohol okay Uh, There is some research that shows that the component inside of red wine, resveratrol, can be an antioxidant and has anti-inflammatory properties within our body. Uh, However, resveratrol, that compound, that antioxidant, it's found within the skin of grapes. So it's actually possible to consume resveratrol without drinking wine. Uh, I did get a few questions on my Instagram stories the other day about wine. Is wine okay? Is wine better than certain things or the next? And what I really want to just emphasize here, y'all, is that alcohol is alcohol is alcohol. It all gets metabolized through the gut and through the liver, and it all kind of breaks down into very similar compounds. There are better options and better choices, which we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. So yeah, there's not really much uh, nutritional value within wine. So if we know that a root cause of a lot of hormonal imbalance is nutrient deficiency, one of our intentions to heal the root of that imbalance is to be consuming a lot of nutrient-dense foods, alcohol not being one of them. And alcohol actually inhibits the absorption of several nutrients, including thiamine, which is a B vitamin, vitamin B12, folic acid, and zinc. So not only, you know, if, if we're speaking from the perspective of someone who's experiencing hormonal imbalances, and you can have nutritional deficiencies and not even have hormonal imbalances yet because it can take time for the cascade to <laughs> kind of run its course. But say we're someone who is devoid or depleted in certain nutrients for a variety of reasons, whether that's the hormonal birth control pill, whether that's under eating or over exercising, living a stressful lifestyle, being exposed to a lot of environmental toxins within our food, our water our Tupperware, our beauty products, etc. And then we're drinking, we are further inhibiting the absorption of vital nutrients that we need for our body. So alcohol inhibits the absorption, meaning it doesn't even allow the absorption of these specific nutrients into our bloodstream. In addition, when you are drinking, nutrients are having to go towards, they're being shuttled towards your liver so that your liver can properly detoxify the alcohol. So not only are certain nutrients not even being absorbed in the first place, some that are 
are being directly shuttled into your liver and your gut and other organ systems within your body to help your body detoxify alcohol. Uh, alcohol is a poison, y'all. Uh, that's how your body responds to it, at least. And and I say that with also the flip side of it, in that alcohol can be very ceremonial, right? When we look at the history of alcohol, there was this very sacred ceremonial component to it. Uh, unfortunately, though, we've lost a big connection to that within our modern culture and society. So, yeah, that is just something, and this is kind of, you know, one of the more simpler points within this exploration of how alcohol impacts our womb health. Um, But when we're speaking about womb health challenges specifically, the womb in Ayurveda is considered to kind of be the last organ that receives nourishment and nutrients and fuel. And so if we are focused on our womb health, if we're here and we're intending to heal painful menstruation or irregular cycles or short cycles, heavy bleeding, uh, fibroids, cysts, all the things, healing from birth control, if that's our intention, we must understand how alcohol is contributing to that. So I wanted to just have that point be there as kind of like an overview before we drop into two of the deeper points. So first one, you know, root cause of hormonal imbalance is a lot of nutritional deficiency. Alcohol doesn't have any nutrients inside of it and it actually inhibits the absorption of several nutrients into your body. Number two is that alcohol increases estrogen. So I was doing a little bit of research yesterday, just preparing for this episode. And I was reading in one of my favorite books, Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton. She shares inside that book that even one alcoholic drink can increase our estrogen by 10%. And here's the thing, estrogen gets a really bad rep right? Uh, I feel like it gets blamed for everything. It gets blamed for heavy periods and migraines and a lot of hormonal imbalances, which it absolutely can be the reason for. However, we need estrogen. We need estrogen in our bodies. Estrogen is a very youthful, fertility-promoting hormone. Without estrogen, we, we aren't really fertile anymore. And so, Your liver, as we spoke about earlier, your liver is responsible for detoxifying the alcohol as well as detoxifying any excess estrogen, okay? So, and just so you know, it will always prioritize digesting and detoxifying the alcohol over the estrogen, okay? Your body will always be prioritizing alcohol, toxins, poisons prior to hormones. That's why getting rid of toxins in your environment is so important because your body can't even begin to detoxify and remove your excessive hormones within your body if you're burdened with environmental toxins because it views the environmental toxins or the toxins you're bringing into your body, in this case alcohol, as the number one threat. And so why does this matter, right? A lot of women are experiencing estrogen dominance. 
as I shared, estrogen is essential. It's a beautiful hormone. However, when it's out of balance with another one of our essential female health hormones, progesterone, that's when a lot of challenges can begin to manifest. And so estrogen dominance is a hormonal imbalance or a hormonal condition when you are either experiencing too much estrogen, just too much estrogen in general, that's called frank estrogen dominance, or too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. That's called relative estrogen dominance. It's important to understand which type of estrogen dominance you're dealing with because your treatment will be drastically different depending on what type of estrogen dominance we are in relation to. Uh, If you would find it supportive, I think even just having like a whole podcast episode on estrogen and estrogen dominance and these two different types would be really supportive. Uh, What I see a lot within my demographic of clients is more of a relative estrogen dominance. Uh, And that's because, so again, it's relative to our other female sex hormone, progesterone. And our progesterone tends to be really low or will be really low when we aren't ovulating. So for women who are experiencing irregular cycles or anovulatory cycles or not, you know, ovulating at all, not bleeding at all, or just transitioning off the pill and you haven't been ovulating for however long. Uh, that's typically what I see more frequently within my demographic of clients. Uh, and, And that's just, again, kind of the women that I see. So some symptoms of too much estrogen. Again, I kind of shared this before, but just to reiterate, heavy periods, weight gain, hormonal headaches, and mood swings are kind of the four major symptoms of too much estrogen. And some of the different causes of estrogen dominance, I don't want to go into all of them, but environmental toxins, processed foods, processed meats, you know, anything we put on our body, it's getting absorbed into our skin. And a lot of those can also have endocrine disrupting chemicals and compounds if we're not paying attention. So anyways, going back to alcohol, as Dr. Jolene Brighton says and shares in her book, one alcoholic drink can increase our estrogen by 10%. So if we are experiencing estrogen dominance, whether it's the frank or the relative, our body is unable to continue to metabolize and digest and detoxify the estrogen that's naturally happening in our body uh, without the alcohol and then let alone the increase that happens when we drink. The increase that then kind of lingers and saturates. That's a lot of times why hormonal symptoms get worse after we drink. I want you to begin to pay attention to this because your body is giving you clues. It's giving you messages. It's sharing with you what it likes versus what it doesn't. Okay. So if you are already having symptoms of painful periods, of weight gain, of fatigue, of cysts, of fibroids, drinking alcohol is fueling the fire. If you are experiencing fertility challenges or ovulatory challenges or you're having a hard time getting or staying pregnant, drinking alcohol is fueling the fire. I'm going to share some takeaways here at the end 
so that you can feel empowered around next steps forward. The third and final thing I want to say about alcohol and and womb health is about alcohol and gut health. And so as I shared earlier, the gut is an integral piece of hormonal health. The gut is responsible for absorbing all of the nutrients that you are eating, okay? If our gut is impaired for whatever reason, we're not actually taking in the nutrients that we're eating. You can be eating the healthiest diet on earth, but if your gut, if you have low stomach acid or you have leaky gut or yeah, for whatever reason, you're not actually able to digest and assimilate the food that you're bringing in, those nutrients aren't able to go anywhere. So yeah, your gut is responsible for absorbing the nutrients And then it also helps you make the hormones that you need uh, and break down and eliminate the ones that you don't. So nutrients are the building blocks of life. We need to have constant and consistent and reliable nutrition, macro and micronutrients in order to make our hormones. You know, this first one we were kind of speaking about with with alcohol and liver health and estrogen and and, uh, you know, estrogen dominance, we were kind of speaking about like there being too much estrogen, again, whether it's frank or relative, uh, but also a lot of people that I see in my practice are actually not making enough hormones because they're not eating enough. So a lot of times in the alternative health space, we hear about excessive hormones, hormones being so high, hormones being imbalanced. And a lot of times when we're thinking they're imbalanced, we naturally think that they're high, which can absolutely happen. But it's definitely possible for our hormones to be too low as well. Uh, And so your gut is also full of bacteria and microorganisms. This is also referred to as your microbiome. You've probably heard of your microbiome before. It's so fascinating and so interesting. Uh, There's so much about the gut, y'all. I mean, I have been studying and inside of the natural health space now for about 10 years and I feel like I'm still just learning so much about the gut and just women's health in general because there's always more to learn Um, but yeah the microbiome is so incredible and it influences our mood our inflammation and also our overall hormonal health Uh, And so the gut is really (laughs) important. It's really important for moving our hormones out of the body. If our gut isn't functioning, we're not going to the restroom consistently. Basically, we are just recirculating excessive hormones. And so again, when we're drinking a lot of alcohol, we are actually going to be impairing our gut lining. And so... I was doing when I was doing research, you know, around this topic. I'm I'm not trying to again fearmonger anyone. And what's challenging is like the quantity, right? It's challenging to find like, okay, does one drink do this? Does two drinks do do this? Does three drinks do this? Right? That's where research is not as crystal clear around how alcohol impacts our bodies. And so again, that's where you have to use your own discernment. That's where you have to use your own ability to decipher like what actually is right for me, okay? Um, And so basically what I was saying was, you know, in excess, 
alcohol can make that gut lining more permeable. It can inhibit the production of digestive enzymes and your digestive juice, basically, which makes it more difficult for your body to break down, to digest and absorb nutrients from your food. And just like a little kind of tip, or not tip, but note on partially digested food, when we don't have that uh, kind of right balance of digestive enzymes and the juices and the hydrochloric acid and everything that's essential for our bodies to basically break down food into nutrients, into macro and micronutrients, this partially digested food, it just kind of like lingers in the gut and it can cause excessive fermentation. So that can contribute to bloating, to gas, to discomfort, all the things. Um, There's also research, too, that states that chronic and consistent alcohol consumption can actually change the bacterial flora in the gut microbiome. That was something that I read, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to do more research on this because something that I have found really prevalent just within my own life and my client's life. And this is also kind of, you know, just my own intuition coming forward, which is that it is really, I don't want to say challenging because I believe it's possible, but our bacterial flora in our gut is really delicate and it's really vulnerable and it's, it can be challenging. It can take time to rebuild it into an environment that has better good bacteria and less bad, right? And I say that because in my experience with working with clients who have been on loads and loads of rounds of antibiotics, uh, whether that's currently or as a child, uh, or they've been on birth control for a long time, which really impacts your bacterial flora, Uh, It takes longer to rebuild that ecosystem. We don't rebuild that ecosystem by just taking a probiotic and calling it a day. We need to be tending to that garden of our microbiome. Think about it like a garden at your house. You don't just show up one day and just like throw on some water really quick and leave and expect everything to be you know, peaches and cream. It takes time to have a beautiful garden where there's flowers and veggies and herbs and not a bunch of weeds. <laughs> anyone who, anyone here who has a garden knows that the weeds will come up and you have to tend to them. So that was a little bit of a side tangent. Um, but yeah, alcohol is absorbed into the upper intestinal tract okay, of your digestive system, and then it's shuttled into your liver via the portal vein. So alcohol really impacts the, uh, the gut and the liver simultaneously. It first moves through the gut, clearly, and then it moves into your liver to be detoxified, okay? And this kind of ties into also to the hormonal uh, piece of this conversation, which is that you need a healthy gut to remove excess estrogen. And how is estrogen moved out of your body? It's moved out through your bowels, through your stool. And so when your gut isn't doing well, and this goes for every hormone, specifically estrogen and testosterone, I don't ever see women who are producing too much progesterone. That just like doesn't exist in our modern world. 
I honestly wouldn't even know what <laughs> like a symptom of too much progesterone would look like because it just doesn't exist. Uh, at least within a modern woman, maybe it did a thousand years ago before all of our, uh, before all of our beautiful modern conveniences that are now causing extreme damage to our health. Uh, but you know, when our gut isn't doing well, that estrogen, those excess hormones, whether it's estrogen, whether it's testosterone, whether it's cortisol, it's recirculated into the body. So if your gut isn't functioning, right, which as we now know, the alcohol impacts the gut, it impacts the, the intestinal lining, it impacts the flora, it impacts the digestive enzymes, the stomach acid, it impacts the functionality of the gut as a whole. When your gut isn't doing well, your hormones are just recirculating into your body. So really, our gut needs to be healthy. It is really at the center of our body. You know, I speak a lot about the womb being the center of our female body, the womb being the center of our pelvis, which it is. Um, but the gut is like the sun of our body. The gut's connected to the solar plexus within the chakra system, which correlates to the sun. And, you know, with really any chronic disease, y'all, we have to look in the gut. There's typically always some kind of imbalance or dysfunction or dysregulation happening within the gut. So, again, everything here is being shared from an edu educational perspective, not to scare you, not to make you never drink again, but purely to have you begun to reflect and be curious upon your relationship to alcohol and how is it serving you? right? How is it serving you? In what way is it bringing more into your life than it's taking, right? That's with anything that we're looking at. Anything that we're bringing into our bodies, we need to ask that question. Is this actually bringing me more than it's taking? So I want to provide you with a few really simple, straightforward ways that you can begin to kind of interact with everything I shared here in a more tangible way. Okay. So if you are going to drink, which let's be real, it's 2022. We enjoy to, you know, drink at certain events or experiences. Uh, if you are going to drink, I want you to keep these few things in mind. And many of these you've probably heard before. First one, let's have you drink with a meal. The reason for that is because alcohol on an empty stomach, especially, can be really dysregulating to our blood sugar. Blood sugar is also another huge component of hormonal health, especially if you're experiencing PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And, you know, when our, when we consume something that's like super sugary and it just has, yeah, a lot of sugar or carbohydrates in it, it can cause this insulin spike within our body. Insulin is the hormone that is released when we consume carbohydrates and sugar is a type of carbohydrate. 
And depending on how your body metabolizes sugar or glucose, you could go into a hypoglycemic state, which is basically where you have really low blood sugar and then you feel the need to uh, consume a lot more food, consume a lot more sugar. It's like that up and down roller coaster, right? Uh, And so consuming alcohol with a meal is going to be really supportive in kind of preventing that huge blood sugar spike. And it's also going to provide your body with, you know, some other nutrients and fuel to help it kind of all go down. Another tip is to keep it to one to two drinks max per setting. I think, again, like it's really common to, to drink a lot, right? To have three, four, five drinks sometimes. And we all know that that doesn't feel good in our bodies. It doesn't matter how seasoned of a drinker we are. uh, That doesn't feel good in our systems. So if you can, which I'm sure many of us have the ability to make sovereign choices, uh, try to keep it to one to two drinks so that you're not overloading your body with estrogen. You're not creating as much work and as much challenge for your gut and your liver. The next day is really important, okay? If you can, don't drink again the next day. Give your body a break. If I drink, you guys, I probably don't drink for at least another few weeks afterwards. I really let my body just digest the alcohol. Don't drink the next day if you're able to. And focus on sweating. Focus on movement. This is going to really help with your lymphatic system and your detoxification system. A lot of times when we're hungover, we just want to lay around and like not do anything and Netflix and chill, which makes sense because we're hungover. But laying around all day isn't good for your circulatory system. We're not moving anything around. So if you're able to and you have the energy to, uh, really try to get a good sweat in. Go for a walk. Go for a swim. Just move your body in some way, somehow. And in addition to that, try to have a nourishing day of food the next day. Uh, A lot of times, you know, I work with women on healing their relationship to food as well. And so uh, sometimes with with this demographic of people, if there's a day of eating and drinking beforehand, you know, they may restrict the next day. And I really encourage you to not do that. It can be best for us to eat as we would every other day, right? In a healthy, nutrient-dense way. Especially because you know that alcohol is depleting nutrients. So your body is in a state of needing more nutrients. You know, and this is, those are all kind of things around, okay, like say you drink, let's have you do these things. And I want to just provide you a few more little takeaways too. Um, And this is if you're open to it. As I've shared, I do encourage my clients to do this if they're in a position and a place and if they're open to it. Uh, But to do 30 days or an entire menstrual cycle, which is typically, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 days of no drinking. And I really like when we do a whole cycle because that's when we can actually begin to see how is alcohol impacting your basal body temperature? How is it impacting your luteal phase? How is it impacting 
uh, the day of when you ovulate. How is it impacting your digestive system, right? Are you going to the bathroom more regularly? How much more energy do you have? Are you feeling more drawn towards healthy, nutrient-dense foods? All of those things. So, you know, we can really, we can read a lot about alcohol. We can listen to a lot of things like this podcast. But ultimately, what it comes down to, and, and really what I want the, the, like diamond of this episode to represent is how does alcohol make you feel in your body, in your womb, in your ability to feel connected to yourself? How does it make you feel? Because how it makes me feel may be completely different than you. And that's totally okay. And so really the intention of tracking for 30 days or an entire menstrual cycle is to really begin to notice your own body, how your body communicates to you, the way it responds and speaks and conversates with you through the messages, right? Through the somatic awareness that's present to you when you actually stop and pay attention and connect and tune in. And this kind of ties into the last point that I want to speak upon here, which is just our self-connection. And, you know, this is an ongoing, just an ongoing relationship, right? Forever and always, we are tending to the relationship that we have to ourselves, the relationship that we have to ourselves is arguably the most important relationship that we will ever have in our entire lives. And so kind of the foundation and the soil of the work that I support women through is really tending to those roots of self-connection. A lot of times when we find ourselves desiring support around our womb, We're also simultaneously desiring support around coming back home to our bodies, coming back home to living within this vessel, within this temple, right? And so something I have noticed just on my own journey personally is that alcohol doesn't typically serve my self-connection. I tend to feel a little bit more anxious or my mind is racing a lot, or I'm not as positive the next day. I don't really want to journal. I don't want to do my self-care practices. Maybe I'm not eating as good, right? Alcohol doesn't really support that internal connection that is my fuel, that is really what allows me to show up in my radiance every single day. And we live in a time right now where anxiety and depression and mental health overall is really at an all-time high. And I'm not going to like sit here and pretend to be an expert on mental health because I am absolutely not. But what I do know is that there are certain things that support our mental health and there are certain things that don't. And through my experience and the experience of 
the dozens and dozens of women that I've walked with is that alcohol doesn't really facilitate that strong connection when we are consuming it in excess. Again, here and there, totally fine. Do what's best for you. Uh, Orient to what feels good in your body. But ultimately, again, the diamond, the main pure intention of this podcast episode is to allow you to open into curiosity and exploration around your own internal alcohol use and how that is impacting your life your womb, your cycle, and your health. Okay, I think that is going to be all for today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love to hear what really landed for you. Please don't be shy. Send me a message on Instagram and just let me know what landed. Uh, I typically like to do a month sober, like every fall. I mean, like I said, I really don't drink very much at all anyways, but it's still kind of nice to just like have that intention. And so, yeah, if you're wanting to like, I don't know, if, if this is fueling you up and you feel inspired, like message me and maybe we can do a month sober together or something. <laughs> Maybe we can get a, a crew of women in the side community, inside of this community to do the same. And lastly, uh, my one-on-one coaching, my body, womb, and cycle coaching is open. I am taking on new clients right now, which is always a really exciting time to see what beautiful women walk through the doors. You can find all the information for that below. Hey beauty, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and I will see you in the next episode. All right, lovely. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Room Collective podcast. It means the absolute world when you leave a rating or rate the show. So if you found value in today's conversation, please share the message, share the medicine with your community. If you want to plug into all of the magic happening in the collective, feel free to join me on Instagram at Root and Womb Co. And you can check out all of our offerings over at the website, rootandwombcollective.com. I will see you next time.